I want to go ahead and uh, get right into uh, what we're talking about tonight, and we are uh, on Facebook tonight. Um, so I want to be a little bit careful, but, you know, maybe the time for being careful is, uh, maybe the convenience of being careful is, uh, is, is passing, and uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, time for us to be frank, you know, about uh, where we are and, um, and uh, what, we, what we, not just what we see on the news because, or what we, what we hear or what we, because um, who knows? Who knows what, what the truth is anymore? We, I mean, really, it's really hard to know what the truth is. We, we, we have the truth coming at us through so many filters. Um, but we've got a pretty good idea what's going on, don't we? And so, uh, I want to, um, talk to you tonight and I'm going to, um, I'm not going to be coming at you from any specific side. I want to come at you tonight from God's side and from God's perspective. If I can, I'm going to try my best. Um, so, um, let me ask you a question tonight, just right off the bat. We don't want to, um, we, we, we don't want, uh, we don't want to do a lot of rambling or beating around the bush tonight. So I just want to ask you tonight this question, would a Republican, can you believe I just said a, a political party from the pulpit, but would a Republican ever make peace with a Democrat I'm not talking about 40 years ago, 30 years ago, years ago, 20 years ago. I'm talking about today. Would a Republican make peace with a Democrat? Let me ask you from the other perspective. Would a Democrat make peace with a Republican today? In the day and age that we live in, with the high contrast of our political environment, not just political environment, our social environment, would that ever happen? And I would say 40 years ago, yeah, yeah, I think we pl- everybody played nice together, you know, it was, um, but not anymore. The lines have been drawn so boldly that I don't believe that anybody will ever have peace between those two sides again. And it's not just in our political parties. There's a line of division that has formed and a chasm even that has formed between so many social groups, so many different even and nations. There's, these, there's a line that is forming and even chasm in some, uh, in, the, in, the, in the respect of political parties, I would call it a chasm. I don't think it's crossable. Um, they, you know, you talk about crossing the aisle. The aisle is so wide now that no one will ever cross it. Um, so, and I'm not even saying that should happen. That's not what I'm saying tonight. I'm just saying it's not going to happen. We have to know where we are in history. We have to know where we are in biblical history and biblical prophecy. And I want to tell you something. Now is not the time to dig your heels in in a political party. Uh, I know that that doesn't sit well with a lot of people, but this is we've passed that time. There, there was a time, and there still is a time to stand up for what's right. I'm not saying don't stand up for what's right. I'm not saying that throw it all to the wind. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you're going to dig your heels in somewhere, there's somewhere that you need to dig your heels in other than a political party first. And we have, we have, we have, let me, let me say, 
the firmer the stance that you take for any um, anything that's going on in our country right now, the quicker the turmoil will come. In other words, we saw it happen today. If y'all saw what happened today, um, y'all saw things turn, you know. And so the, the, the more that we say we are not giving up, we are digging our heels in, well, then the quicker this thing comes on us. Because I guarantee you, there is no, I'm telling you, there is no um, instance, there is no uh, version of this where somebody wins. Around the world today, and we know in the Bible, if we, if, we, if we actually believe what the Word of God says, we know that this thing is not going to go on forever. And we know that what we're seeing is a taste of things to come. And we know that we can stand up for what's right and we can stand up for the political party or the social group or whatever that we believe best represents what is right and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying if you put all your eggs in that basket, what your, that basket will pass away one day with your eggs in it. So um, it's not the time to choose, uh, uh, you know, to dig your heels in. Politically, And I know that that's what we want to do. And I know that's what a lot of people are doing. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying there's somewhere we need to dig our heels in first. Um, it's uh, right now. It's time to choose whether we will trust God. Um, a little bit of history. We know we, we look around, you know, every they say that every uh, every age group, every generation feels like their generation has it the worst. Millennials think they got it bad. Can you believe that? Spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. No, but you know, you look back. You know that I know y'all have read that thing you know on social media about um, uh, the depression, and then you know the generation that was born that went through the depression, that went through the world wars, they went through all of this stuff. You know, in one lifetime. You know, and we look around. We you know we think we got it bad. I'm gonna tell you, every generation had has had something that was bad, and when Jesus came. On the scene, things were bad. We forget that when Jesus came on the scene, Israel had been literally taken over by Rome. That it was almost like like if today we had a foreign country invade and take over, and people of a foreign country are running everything, and they're telling us what to do, and we're like uh, under their rule. And we were used to being free. And we were used to having things our way and our culture and all this stuff. And after thousands of years of that, then somebody comes in and they take over. You can imagine how we would feel in America. We think we're special because we're here in America. Well, they thought they were special because they were there in Israel. It, it doesn't matter. We, we, it, they felt the same way that we would feel today if that would have happened. This is the scene that Jesus came into. Um, there were people in that time called zealots. There were there were people that were, um, and I, I would call you know um, a lot of people today. I, they would probably get labeled the same way. But these people were determined that they were going to take their country back from Rome. And were they wrong? No. You know, we look at like you know some of the, the zealot. You know, we we, um, we we look at and even the uh, um, uh, the the. Was it Barabbas? No, that the man that was uh, crucified beside Jesus. 
Um, you know, we, we, we vilify these people in the Old Testament because they were, I mean, in the, in, when Jesus came, we vilify these people because when they, they, were, uh, they were so extreme. And Jesus was preaching love. And look at these guys. They're trying to take over. I'm, I dare say a lot of us would do the same thing. They loved their country. I don't think that we can fault anybody, you know, in Jesus' day that was fighting, physically fighting to save their country. I, I don't think that, um, that we can blame them or fault them for that. But the Bible calls them zealous. And they were 100% right, I believe, to want to be free from Rome. I think they were 100% right to fight with everything in them to be free from Rome. But I want to say something that when Jesus came on the scene, he did not free them from Rome. And that's just the honest truth. When Jesus showed up, Rome had taken over. People were, were totally believing that one day the Messiah would come and would free them. And, and then Jesus showed up and there was all this hope that one he would do this, that he would free them, but he didn't free them. Can I tell you something? God does not work just with what he's given. We've got a very, uh, in America especially, but I think in the church too, we've, we've got a, a really small uh, perspective of the world. We've got a very small perspective of the kingdom of God even. Um, because we, we think that all this stuff is just happening and God is back up there just like trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together and the pieces of the puzzle keep changing and he's getting frustrated. He's trying to make this thing work and that's not the God that I serve. The God that I serve is a master strategist. And we, not, we may not like, you know, the, our surround. We may not like the things that go on around us. But I want to tell you something. We are not of this world. And if we will find out, and especially right now, and I'm going to talk about fasting in a little bit and about what fasting does for us in that regard. But if we get stuck in a... In a in a political party, if we get stuck in a government order, if we get stuck in any of this stuff, we're going to read uh, in in Daniel, and we're going to read in, about how all of those things are going to crumble. All of those things are going to pass away. And if there's ever been a time to get both feet planted in the kingdom of God, it is the time right now. Because see, the Bible says that God is the God of Daniel, but it also said that he's the God of Nebuchadnezzar. And that's kind of hard to read, but the Bible says that God actually said that he had chosen Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible, in, in the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar was one of the most power, if not the most powerful man on the earth at the time, and he was, he was wicked. He was so mean. In fact, he had a dream. And he called wise men to him and he said, he didn't say, tell me what the dream means. He says, tell me the dream and tell me what the dream means. They couldn't do it. He brought him more. They couldn't do it. So he sent out an order to execute every wise man. That's the kind of guy this was. And Daniel fell. Daniel and his friends fell into that lot. They were considered wise men in Babylon. So they fell into that lot. They were going to be executed. I mean, this is a hard time to be in the kingdom. Because you're getting lotted in with all these other people and you didn't do, have anything to do with it. So what Daniel did then should be what we're doing now. Daniel's response at that time was he went into prayer. Yeah. 
And he got with, with, his, with his friends and he said, let's pray. So they began to pray and God answered. God showed up. And let's, let's read, I'm going to read that part to you. Um, God showed up. Let's read that. Let's see. God gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream. And God gave Daniel an opportunity, an unusual opportunity to come before the king and gave him a vision, an open vision. See, he gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream in his sleep. And then he gave Daniel an open vision wide awake. And so Daniel go, has an opportunity. He goes to Nebuchadnezzar and he, said, and he says, I know your dream and I know what it means. And he was able to share the dream with Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, but let me read you, you know, it's so neat when uh, in, uh, let's see, find where, uh, Daniel, yeah, Daniel 2.19. And Daniel 2, verse 19, let me get there. Yeah, I want to read this. All right. It says, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings. Hold on, let me get it back up. He removes kings and sets up kings. This is, see, Daniel was about to be executed. And his friends. He was about to be executed by this evil king. God provided a way out. God revealed something to him that no one could have known. No one did know. God revealed it to him. And he said, so this is his prayer. This is, this. So not only did he get the answer and, he get, and did God reveal this to him, but God revealed so much more to him that we really need to pay attention to. In his prayer, he said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells in him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and now have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. That needs to be our prayer today. We need to be praying on that level today. That we need to be praying for deep insight and revelation and discernment and wisdom. God has um, really put, I know Brother Maurice has just been pounding on um, um, on uh, uh, Proverbs. And God has really, I've never really studied Proverbs, but God has really been putting Proverbs uh, on my heart. And so um, I know that God is calling us to wisdom. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not just knowing a lot of things. And wisdom isn't even knowing how to use what you know. Wisdom is tapping into something that isn't normally known. Wisdom, in way Daniel is talking about wisdom, he's making reference to God had revealed something to him that he could not have known. 
that God revealed something to him that had deep, deep purpose. It saved not just his life, it saved even the lives of all of the other, uh, what we would say, just let them, let them be executed. You know, they're so evil, you know, all these other wise sorcerers and everything. Yeah, whatever. You know, but Daniel uh, stepped in and intervened and all of their lives was saved as well. Um, so, um, so in Daniel 2.29, in Daniel 2.29, uh, God spoke to a wicked king. We can all agree Nebuchadnezzar was very wicked, but he was the most powerful man. And why did God speak to Nebuchadnezzar? Because it says this in, uh, in verse 29. Oh, what's making me do this? Here we go. All right. In verse 29, it says this. To you, O king, as I lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what would be. Uh, no, I'm in the wrong verse. Hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a different version. All right, so to you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries may know to you what is to be. In the NIV, it says, he was troubled about things to come. See, Nebuchadnezzar was laying in his bed, and his mind was on things to come. His mind was on questions of what is going to happen, what is coming after this. So when Nebuchadnezzar went to sleep, there was an open door, an opportunity for God to, to, to creep into his subconscious and reveal a dream to him. And what better way to reveal a dream to a king than to use what was already there, which was um, this statue of, you know, this massive golden statue, you know, this statue that everyone would worship and everything. So... God revealed something to him that 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 made sense to him that was that would have been abstract to a lot of people, but it made sense to a king. And so he revealed this to him in his dream. Daniel prayed. Daniel served God. And so God was able to just reveal this to Daniel in the wide open. And he had an open vision about the same thing that he revealed uh, and the meaning that he revealed to the king. So. Um, God spoke to a wicked king. He was the most powerful man. He was feared. No one had his ear. And that's what we've got to remember, you know, especially now, you know, when no one had Nebuchadnezzar's ear because Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man and he would, he would execute you rather than look at you. But God had his ear. God had an opportunity and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And in that dream, everything turned. That was the pivotal moment, that one word from God to him was the pivotal moment in history at that time. Um, so, in Daniel 2.39 through, uh, through 46, let's read that. It says, um, Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you. So this is the dream. So, uh, by the way, if you don't know, the dream was there was a statue um, and that starting at the head, which was made of gold, and then it was bronze, and then it was iron, and then it was... But the feet, when you get down to the feet, it was a mixture of iron and clay. And, um, and so there's more to it. There's, there, was a, there was a giant stone that came and crumbled it. And so Daniel right now, and starting in verse uh, 39, is telling him the meaning of the dream. So he says, another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you. He's the gold, the head. Um, and, uh, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. 
And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. Just as you saw it, that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand. And that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Um, I believe, you know, um, we're all trying to listen to different people and, and, um, and, and trying to get sense of a lot of things, but I really believe this is where we are. I really believe that this is that this is that we are at the feet of this statue. I really believe that this is where we are. They, you know, they say that, uh, of course, Babylon was the head. And then after that came Persia uh, and after that came Greece. And then after that, the iron, they say, was Rome. And Rome was where Jesus entered the scene. And he said that he would uh, uh, that he came to bring a sword to bring division. And then we see the kingdom afterward being of iron, which signifying remnants of Rome, and then the rest clay. And so it's interesting that Jesus came at that time. And then uh, after the, the kingdom of Rome ended, um, the, you know, the iron and clay, I, I, I read <laughs> I read so much just today uh, about there are people that are saying, oh, you know, clay, of course, is is human. Because he made us out of the clay. So uh, clay is human. Iron is artificial intelligence. You know, cyborgs. You know, it's robots. You know, I don't know. I just, that's, that one's pretty far out there. I, I don't know if that's, uh, that's um, going to happen or not. But, um, but some people break it down a little bit uh, more. And they say it's the war between technology and reason. You know, and, and so there's all these... Uh, the philosopher approaches it from this way. The, the techie guy approaches it from the AI perspective. Um, some people will say that communism is the leftovers of Roman rule or whatever, and that democracy is the clay, you know? And so they say there's two different things. Some people go as far to say it's liberal and conservative, iron and clay. You know, some people will break it down like that. And honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know what the two are, but whatever they are, there is more, more division now than I believe there is there has ever been. And I'm not talking about, you know, everybody's perspective, Babylon, Israel with Rome, everything, everybody's perspective was very small. We have worldwide perspective at this moment. And it can't get any more worldwide. I'm just telling you, our next step, you know, is uh, is not backward. 
in that regard. So we, we, we can see basically two things at war over this entire, over the entire world. And, um, so, uh, Rome, we know at the end because Rome is the iron, um, you know, some people would say that Rome is going to be found at the helm of, of this, this, the iron part of this. Um, but it could just be that Rome, I'm, I'm boring everybody to death, but it could be that Rome is the source of, of this, this movement. Uh, and clay is a new material. And a lot of people say, you know, that that's democracy because um, humans were made from clay and, and democracy is all about, you know, letting the people have a voice, letting the people rule. And so that makes sense to me, you know. But either way, I really believe that this prophecy in Daniel, the dream that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar at that time, lays it out to us. Um, and we, we know that um, the Antichrist is going to arise in that setting. Uh, the Bible tells us that the Antichrist in uh, Revelation 17, 12, and 13, that the Antichrist will arise and he will lead ten nations. Ten toes. I don't, I don't think that it's a coincidence. So I think, that, I think that we are living in this time. And I know this isn't probably an in-depth you know, uh, look into end-time prophecy. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I want to do is help us to realize that our focus uh, may be on the wrong thing right now. I want to help us to realize that our focus needs to shift and we need to get both feet firmly planted in the kingdom at this time. Um, because it says that Christ will defeat the forces of the Antichrist in Revelation seventeen fourteen. And in Daniel, it says the rock smashes the statue and he's going to set up his own kingdom. And it says that the kingdoms of this world will, will become the kingdom, become his kingdom. And can I, and I, I'm just, and I'll tell you that kingdom is not going to have a political affiliation. It is a theocracy. He will rule. He will rule. It's not going to be a democracy. It's not going to be any of those things. It's going to be the kingdom of God. And it's not going to be Republican or Democrat. And it's not going to be if you're a Republican, you get in. Or a Democrat, you get in. It's not going to be like that. It's the kingdom of God and every other political system will fall, will crumble, and he will set up his kingdom. Um, now, it's interesting because Daniel had a, um, had a dream as well. In the book of Daniel, he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. If y'all bear with me, he interpreted interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream, but he had a dream of his own earlier in the book of Daniel, and it's basically the same interpretation. But what Daniel saw was different from what Nebuchadnezzar saw. See, Nebuchadnezzar saw a great statue that was awesome to look at. And we've seen the pictures. Do we have the picture of that, Miss Barbara? Um, we've seen these pictures of, you know, just chiseled, you know, uh, whatever, whatever Nebuchadnezzar wished he looked like. Yes, probably what he saw, you know. I guarantee you kings don't, didn't work out. You know, they, they didn't have bodies like that. They were probably just, you know, went ball over the throne. Um, but um, so that was Nebuchadnezzar's vision. This is government 
all of the governments of the world in Nebuchadnezzar's mind. This is what government looks like. Nebuchadnezzar represents a carnal man in this scenario. So when a a carnal man looks at any type of government, they, they think of something polished, something that man is doing. But what Daniel's dream, which basically had the same interpretation, Daniel didn't dream about a great, awesome, beautiful statue. Daniel um, dreamed about a bizarre, unnatural beast. See, what God, the way God sees human government and the way we see human government are different. God is looking forward to the day when all government will cease so his government can be set up. And I want to tell you something, guys. I don't don't know if this is sitting well with everybody, but um, I believe that, um, I, I firmly believe that he has, God has commissioned us to bring the kingdom to earth. I, I, I believe that he's coming regardless. But I believe that our job is to bring the kingdom everywhere we go. Our job is to infect this world with the kingdom of God. Our job is to spread the kingdom everywhere we go. Is to set up God's kingdom. Which doesn't look like anything around here. You know, when Jesus was on the scene, they thought he was going to... It was a rebellion. They're just like, oh, who is this king of the Jews? You know, or whatever. But it wasn't like that. The kingdom of God doesn't look like any other kingdom. Uh, And the kingdom is coming. But God has commissioned us to take part in that. God has commissioned us to to bring the kingdom everywhere we go. So, um, So I want to tell you that today, we'll wrap this up, but today is the day to decide to not be more iron or more clay. Whatever that means. This is not because it will all crumble. It is not time to be more iron or more clay. It is time to be more kingdom. And does that mean that you're not supposed to be part of a political party, a movement, or a belief system, or any of that stuff? No, absolutely not. Because a lot of the, a lot of times that represents uh, attributes of the kingdom. It represents righteousness, and God has called us to be involved in the, in in everything because it says that He has actually. It says ironically that He sets up rulers and takes them down. You know that He is the author of government, but it's all leading up to the day when He, His kingdom will be set up on the earth. And guys, I want to tell you, I don't think there will be peace at all. I, like I said, like I opened up with, you know, there's no way that we're going to see peace between the two political parties right now. There's no way. It's not going to happen. You know, there was so much. Uh, when, when Jesus uh, when Jesus shows up on the scene, yes, that can happen. Jesus can bring uh, 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 someone far on the left, far on the right, bring them into the kingdom and make them one. But through politics, it's not going to happen. And we're going to see more of the same. And it's going to get more. The, lot, the chasm is going to grow wider. And at some point, we're all going to have to determine that we're both feet in the kingdom. And um, so until then, you know, I, I think we should all um, be part of what we believe in, you know, and and. and and be uh, uh, and support someone that supports godly things. I, I don't have any problem. I, mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. But right now, what we're doing 
is God has called us uh, right now, I think, is more important than any other time, really, um, to this fast. And I want to tell you what happens in a fast. Um, what happens in a fast is we begin to sacri- crucify our flesh. We begin to lay aside things that fulfill us, that sustain us. We lay those si- things aside. And what happens in the process is God begins to open up our eyes to kingdom things. What keeps us from opening up our eyes to kingdom things is when our eyes are just on ourselves. And when we're focused on ourselves and what we want and what we think is right and all this stuff, then that's what's causing all of the, the bitterness, all the clashes and everything like that. But we're focused so much on ourselves, and God cannot get the kingdom to you or through you when that's, when, when that's your only concern, when that's your only focus. So what fasting does is it actually breaks down. You're forcing yourself to not focus on yourself, what you think, what you want, what you desire, your ambitions. It actually pulls your focus away from yourself. And then, because what it says uh, in the Bible is that, uh, that he, that's not the fast that he's called us to. He's called us to a fast that breaks the yoke. And what, what yoke? What yoke? It's probably what he's talking about is the yoke that's keeping you focused on yourself. The yoke that you're in and I'm in. And so he's called us to a fast that breaks the yoke. And then it says, and then we will feed the hungry. We will house the homeless. We began to act out God's love on the earth. And then it says, and then your righteousness will come like the rise of the sun. And all of the, and you'll be, uh, uh, you'll be blessed. All this stuff will come up. And, and basically, at the end of that chapter, it's this long list of blessings, everything you could ever want from God. And it all started with a fast. It sta- started with a fast that broke the yoke, that turned my focus, and now God can get to me everything because He can get through me everything. And um, I believe that this fast is very critical because we are we are more <laughs> we are more opinionated and fiery and uh, I mean about about things than we've ever been, and it's completely understandable. I'm furious half the time. I am. I, I made Leah get off. I didn't make Leah get off Facebook. <laughs> I told Leah to just no. I I was like Leah, we, we can't really be. I mean, they're bigger fish to fry than you know, and so. Uh, so she just deleted her face. Well, she did that. That didn't. That wasn't me. Um, that was a little pressure, but it wasn't me. And so, um, but it, we've got. We really do need to get control of this. We've got to get control of our uh, the way we feel about the way our opinions and what we say. Because I want to tell you something. If we um, if we make that our number one, the only end result is more division. If we make the kingdom number one, then the only end result is reconciliation. The only end result is the kingdom. So, um, so anyway, <laughs> that was touchy. But uh, so this fast is critical. And I want to encourage you, it's not too late to get in on the fast if, uh, if you haven't been a part of the fast. And I want to tell you how a fast works. I'll tell you exactly the way it goes. And uh, if you fast, you know. Um, first day, second day, maybe even the third day, you are the worst person on the planet to live with. 
or at least maybe that, that's just me, but that's the way it is for me because everything comes to the surface and you're just like, ah, you know, your flesh is just like, food, you know, or whatever, you know, it's just like your flesh is like grasping at straws, but something breaks. And I tell you what happens when that breaks. What happens when that breaks is the focus shifts. When the focus shifts, then all of a sudden you're like, this is what this is about. This is what, why we're supposed to do this. So living in that, and I'm not, you know, we're not monks. We don't, we don't um, cut ourselves. We don't, you know, deprive ourselves of, you know, that's not what this is about. This is about shifting our focus away from ourselves, shifting it on the kingdom, toward the kingdom. And when we shift toward the kingdom, then all of a sudden we walk in power like Daniel walked in. Favor like Daniel walked in. Daniel and his friends became second. I mean, they became the, the counselors to the king. I mean, they, they all, all of a sudden went from we're all going to die to living in a palace. And it was because of their, their lifestyle. Because of their lifestyle, the Bible tells us, you know, that they lived a lifestyle of restraint. That they didn't eat the king's food. That they lived a, a, a disciplined lifestyle. And that their focus wasn't on themselves. Their focus was on the kingdom and what the kingdom was at that time. You know, their focus was on the things of God. And so I want to tell you something. I really believe that if we'll really dive in and dig in in this fast, I really believe that God is going to shift our focus toward the kingdom. And I believe that we're going to be, be able to see favor no matter what's going on. Because it don't get any worse than Nebuchadnezzar. But no matter what's going on, that God began to shift uh, our focus toward the kingdom. And that in that, that favor and blessing and prosperity and all of this stuff will flow in us and through us. You know, the reason that God blessed Daniel and him so much through Nebuchadnezzar is because his goal was to get to Nebuchadnezzar. We know that from the dream. And he did get to Nebuchadnezzar. He had to break him down. But Nebuchadnezzar became the, the pivotal person in biblical history at that time to, uh, to advance the kingdom. So anyway, so that was heavy. That was a lot. Um, but it is Wednesday. Wednesday is the time when you can just get up here and just say what's on your mind. You know, no, no, not that. Um, but anyway, so I know I lost a, lost a lot of you in the process, and maybe I made some people upset in the process. Uh, but uh, some of you may have um, uh, followed followed me through this and and got something out of it. And for that, I am grateful. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the time we're in. God, you put us here for a time, such a time as this. You put us here. You didn't make a mistake. You didn't mess up. You didn't just throw people out there at any time that, you know, that where they fail, they fail. You are strategic and you put all of us individually here in this time right now for this purpose and for this time. And so, Lord, we just right now wholeheartedly with everything in us, we focus on on the kingdom. We plant both feet firmly in the kingdom of God. Our one desire. Our singular focus. Lord, you said that if a man's focus, if his eye is singular, focused on you, that his whole body will be full of light. So Lord, our single focus tonight, going forward, is the kingdom. 
Lord, we turn away from, from, uh, from gossip. We turn away from slander. We turn away from all of these other things, from fear and anxiety and all of these things. God, we turn away from those things and we focus on the kingdom that is coming soon. Lord, and we prepare our heart for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.